Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We then um, thought, right, okay, so we need to find a clinic, find an egg donor, find a surrogate. And that's when the journey really began. Yeah. This picture of a pregnancy test popped up and it was a positive one. Wow. So... So, yeah, and then yeah. Uh, that's when our life changed. changed. <laughs> you know, when Tallulah wakes up in the morning and she tells me that she loves me and she beams, it's just... You can't beat that. No, you can't. No. It's, it's, you know, it's special. and welcome to Some Families. We are an LGBTQ plus parenting podcast that is with you at every stage of your parenting journey, whether you are just in those early stages of talking about possibly one day maybe wanting to have kids with your partner, or maybe you're knee deep in nappies, or you could even be raising a teenager. We are with you and we see you and we are so happy that you've joined us here today. This is a slightly strange podcast recording. My co-host, Stu. Hello, Stu. Hello, everyone. He is at the other end of a phone line today rather than sitting opposite me in the studio, and I miss his little face. Oh, well, Lottie, I just didn't fancy seeing you today, so I thought I'd (laughs) squirrel myself away and be like, oh, you know what, I'm just going to phone this one in, literally. We are obviously in the grips of a global pandemic, which is um, slightly putting the kibosh on our meeting up and recording podcasts. Yes. But it's not stopping us talking to some amazing people who are at different stages of the parenting journey and having different experiences themselves. Stu, yes. who did we talk to this week? So this week, we were very, very lucky to talk to Michael and Wes. They have three children between them, two are via surrogacy and one was the biological child from a previous relationship. They're great advocates for our community. They really champion a lot of causes and they've really been a great voice for queer parents so far. It was great for me because I don't know anything about surrogacy really. It was not really a journey that my husband and I looked into in any depth at all. So I love meeting with them and really understanding what goes into surrogacy. So Stu, I'm just interested, like you say that you and your husband never considered surrogacy. Can I ask why? Yeah, I mean, when I say we've never considered surrogacy, maybe that's a bit too drastic. There was a point where I think John was keen to potentially look at it. I had always wanted to do adoption. For me, personally, and again, it's my own, you know, personal choice with it, 
was that there are so many children that are out there already that that needed a home and also the feeling if John and I were going to bring a child into the world I would have loved for it to have part of us biologically both within it and the fact that it would only be one or the other just always sent my brain through a bit of a tailspin so when I say I never considered it obviously it was something we did briefly discuss but because adoption for me was such a a key thing I never even looked at the different options available or how it even really worked which is why I love talking to Michael and Wes because it answered a lot of questions for me. So we are going to learn about the dynamic between two men and their surrogate and we're going to talk um, a lot more about the interview that you did with the guys after we hear it. Thank you for coming in. You're welcome. You're Thank you welcome. for having us. No, it's our pleasure. So you have two children via surrogacy. We do. Um, and I believe you have an older child as well. Yeah, yeah. we have Katie from Katie. Uh, a previous relationship who's uh, 16 this year. And Tallulah is three. Mm-hmm. And Duke is five and a half months old. Yeah, boy, well, congratulations. Boy, thank you. It's fairly recent then. It, it is. is. Can you tell that we've got like <laughs> massive bags under our eyes? <laughs> Speak for yourself. So let's go right back to the start. Let's do it. Let's go back. So when did the conversation between you two, you're married. We are. Yeah. yeah. When did the conversation about having children even begin? Really early on, actually, because uh, Michael and I met in 2012. Yeah. Uh, and really early on in the relationship, Michael asked if, if children were something that was on the cards. And I think because I already had a child... Uh, that was a bit of a tick for Michael. Yeah. So yeah, he's uh, yeah. I, it, was, it was. I guess it's. It was that. Um, it was just what I needed. I was in a relationship mm-hmm. before I met Wes for sort of seven, eight years, and children was never going to be uh, an option. And then I met Wes at Birmingham Pride, and the the <laughs> the question of me asking him quite quickly about children was was a little bit intense. I think it was after about two or three sort of dates I was like right I really want children so I need to know would you like more kids and uh Wes did which was which was good and obviously um his... I don't think I was actively looking for a partner with who wanted kids but I was really open to the point of like yeah I've got one already yeah. more kids would be great so where did the surrogacy idea come from was it always surrogacy with the both of you or was there a conversation about other ways to bring children into your life yeah I think we we did we did look at all, all lots of options but I think because I already had a biological child from a previous relationship. Michael saw the bond that we had and had always wanted a biological child of his own. So I think we discounted some of those other routes quite actually mm-hmm. quite early because, you know, and I don't think there's anything wrong with admitting that you want an, a child, a biological child of your own. So we started exploring, I say we, Michael, started exploring uh that all of the routes available to us and how we would, you know, make our dream a reality around, and it, and it ultimately ended up that we were going to look at surrogacy. Yeah, so that involved, it's like three and a half years of research. Yeah. So looking at the international surrogacy arena. Yeah. Um, and at the time, you know, you, you could still explore surrogacy in Thailand and India, Nepal, Cambodia, Mexico, the US, Canada. And slowly but surely, each one of those countries were either unsafe or exploiting women or just not LGBT friendly or really expensive. So we then revisited what the UK option would look like and we explored the not-for-profits that operate within surrogacy in the UK. So you've got, um, there are several, but the main three are Surrogacy UK, 
brilliant beginnings and cots. So what's their kind of purpose? So as a, I'm an adoptive father uh-huh. and, and part of the reason for this podcast is just to, to learn more mm-hmm. about the different communities that we have and mm-hmm. the different uh, options that are available. And so what do the, what do the non-for-profits do? So what do? they do is they essentially, not all of them operate the same, but they... They they signpost information on um, where surrogates may be and where intended parents may be. And a couple of them offer a matching service and some of them operate a a networking service. So you go on social events and there are surrogates there and intended parents there. And the aim is that you you get to know one another, you form a a bond and then you, you get to know them and then you embark on a surrogacy journey and costs for that vary from an application fee to a matching fee but this was back in 2014 2015 and back then the ratio of intended parents versus um surrogates was totally out of balance so the books were closed to intended parents because it wasn't just going to be possible so that left us to go down what's known as the independent route. So within surrogacy, you've got your not-for-profits or your agencies, and mm-hmm. then you've got the independent route. So we went independent, and because we'd built up so much research and gleaned all this information, we then um, thought, right, okay, so we need to find a clinic, find an egg donor, find a surrogate, and that's when the journey really began. Yeah, and so how long was that journey between deciding that and then getting pregnant with with Tallulah? It was probably nearly nine months getting to know our surrogate. So once we put ourselves out there, yeah. um, she contacted us. And it's a bit like dating. It's, yeah. it's exactly like dating. You create dating. a profile, they create a profile, you kind of communicate saying, you, you look, you know, you kind of sound like yeah. we would like to start exploring options and then we start communicating. I say we again, it's Michael. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I remember first meeting our surrogate and her husband, we went to dinner and we just kind of started talking and it is all about having that connection and it's about having, you know, feeling comfortable and, and Michael and I have this theme through our relationship and it's all about, it just felt right. So uh came to the point where, you know, they, they were like, yeah, we want to do this. And then... So that the, was a nine month process that yeah, you spent really yeah. getting to know. Yeah, and, and you know, the minimum what's recommended is that the majority of, of intended parents and surrogates spend around about 12, 15 weeks getting to know. Yeah. And then by that point, you would have formed an opinion or, or an understanding whether that's going to be for you. Because you've got to have such a trust, trust and, and understanding. Yeah, and that, in, and you, yeah, and you have you, to have a relationship and you have to be able to trust them and you have to be able to know that you're all on the same page because mm-hmm. that's a really essential part of of surrogacy is is all being on the same page and on being really clear about expectations and you know how this this journey is going to proceed. So we had chosen a clinic in um, Manchester, Care Fertility, and they were LGBT friendly. They had a really good surrogacy program. They could source us an egg donor. So your surrogate wasn't providing an egg no. either. So, so that's called traditional surrogacy. Right. So when a surrogate provides the egg, that's traditional surrogacy. We wanted an egg donor because we felt that was right for for us and for our journey. And the clinic um, went on that journey for us and they found us a donor within sort of four months. Then the the fertilization of the embryos was done in the clinic. Then we were getting our surrogate ready and her cycle ready to do uh, a transfer, an embryo transfer. So we were really, really lucky that we got um, three what's called blastocysts, which is 
the best embryo that you can get out of a four egg retrieval. It was Valentine's weekend of 2016. We were about to go skiing the next day and we did our embryo transfer. We went off skiing and then you have what's known as the So two when you say transfer, that's when the embryo is put back in, inside. Yeah. Put back inside. Yeah. So, right. And are yeah. you there for yeah. that then? And you yeah. with your surrogate yeah. at that point? Yeah. And you literally watch it get fed into the uterus and just implanted on the wall and wow. then left. And you get a picture of that. I was going to say, have you got it? Yeah. Framed. Yeah. yeah, we've got a picture and, and a video of it developing into a, into a blastocyst. We've got like that first selfie wow. of Tallulah developing. Gosh, that's incredible. It's amazing. The science around fertility yeah. is amazing. It's and the, what addictive. they can do yeah. these days and, and how they can help create families is, is yeah. phenomenal. Incredible. So you then have what's known as the two week wait. We were skiing and she messaged us. She didn't want to wait for 14 days. No, either. I think, like she, I think she waited about seven and she was like, can you talk? And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, of course we can talk. And then uh, the picture just popped up and it was this. Because we had a WhatsApp group and yeah. we were always constant uh, yeah. communicating. And then this picture of a pregnancy test popped up and it was a positive one. Wow. And but it was still very early days. Yeah. Uh, so we just kind of kept our cool. And then she, the next day she sent another one and the line was getting stronger and stronger, which is an indication that it's a positive result. Yeah. So, so, yeah. And then yeah. Uh, that's when our life changed <laughs> so that's so that's quite incredible isn't it that on the first so the first try first and and that's mainly because we're a couple with no fertility issues you're using yeah. an egg donor that's under the age of 30 yeah your surrogate is fertile yeah. and on and on fertility drugs yeah and your sperm is healthy and has good mobility good motility and performs well but then you said you weren't lucky necessarily with duke first time round. no that's correct well the beginning of the journey we always said that we would have two and that then the, yeah. the next attempt it would be uh we would use my sperm and we would try and match uh yeah. michael's features to our egg donor because was that a decision for the first time round? was that a hard thing to decide no it wasn't actually whose sperm it would be and whose biological no yeah. and i think uh Often that can be quite a complex uh, situation yeah. for couples. Mm -hmm. uh, I think for us, it was very straightforward because I already had a biological child and, you know, that kind of steered the way of, of our decision. And, and that was, you know, yeah. never really gave it any more thought than that. And then the egg donor that we used for Tallulah, we agreed to do a sibling journey with that donor and she was happy to do it. So we would have our children would have that biological link. Yeah. But unfortunately, the egg donor that we did use, she got ill. Uh, after we had uh, Tallulah right. and what we should have done is created embryos from both of us at the start at, the time. at that time but yeah. so we had to then look for another donor which you know took us a little bit longer and we did an, an implantation and it wasn't successful and that you know this happens and I think we because we were so lucky with Tallulah we just had an expectation that it would work first time so we were actually really disappointed yeah and really it's upset. almost like you weren't ready for that kind of no we, no, we were massively underprepared for yeah. how and then so we got a glimpse of the the grueling road yeah. that can be fertility treatment and struggling to conceive um it's tough on your marriage on your relationship on your finances yeah it, it just affects everybody around you because we thought oh this is going to be a breeze let's you know we've we've got this and we didn't have this at all it was we not only lost 
um, that transfer, but we then also lost every single embryo and egg mm. that we retrieved. So, which is quite rare, actually. And a, often you might have, uh, you know, four, four or five embryos. Yeah. One might get implanted, and then that doesn't work. But then you've got others to fall back on. Where in this scenario, we lost them all. So there was clearly some compatibility issues yeah. with the donor. So we then kind of took stock of what had happened. The clinic that we were using at the time, there was quite a, a wait for a feather egg donor. Uh, our surrogate was all ready to go. We were ready to go. We just didn't want to wait another mm. six months. So we then looked for another clinic who had an egg bank, who had the characteristics of an egg that we needed. So we then moved uh, from a, a Manchester clinic down to a London clinic and really started the process again, which happened pretty quickly. Yeah. Implantation, uh, work first time. As a result of that, you know, Duke was conceived and the rest uh, is our, our two week wait for Duke fell on New Year's Eve. So we were like, oh my word, of yeah. all the dates for this to fall yeah. on. So the great thing was we didn't have any expectation this time. We were like, do you know what? If yeah. we've got. That you'd been up and then down. Yeah. And so now the only way was back up, really. Yeah. And also on this one, we'd, we'd used a known donor for our egg donor. So we have a friend who uh, we you know, created a relationship just over time going through our fertility journey. She works in the fertility industry and she was really keen to become a donor because she sees so many right. people who go through, you know, struggles. And this for her was a way that she could help. And she's, you know, very clinically minded. So for her, she was donating a few cells. That's, right. that's exactly that's how that, she yeah. saw it. She's like, oh, they're just cells. I don't need them. How will you communicate that to Duke in the future? Especially with us, because Tallulah's is an unknown yeah, donor. So correct. where the... And, and I'll be honest, that's something that plays on my mind a lot because, you know, Katie knows her mom and her dad, obviously, and Tallulah will know that she's got two daddies. But because of egg donation in the UK, it's classed yeah. as non-anonymous, which sounds a strange term. Yeah, non-anonymous means it's anonymous at point of donation. And then when Tallulah turns 16, she'll get some non-identifiable criteria about the donor, point of where she was at the point of donation, etc. And then at 18, Tallulah can have full disclosure if she wants to have it. Duke will know the origin of both his egg donor and his biological father. Mm. And Tallulah's going to be in limbo a little bit. So that is something that as her dads, we just need to manage. And yeah. hopefully, you know, as the work that we're doing as two dads and everything else that we're doing you know, in terms of educating everybody else about donor conceived children um, and fertility generally may not be the big issue that I fear it could be. And I think, you know, Tallulah knows that she knows she's different from some of the other kids in her nursery. And I think as she grows up, she's gonna always going to know that. And it's very obvious that, you know, we didn't give birth to her. So we're going to have to explain and to Duke, you know, the, the, those things are going to have to be explained. But I think it's it's all about at the appropriate time. And we, 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 we're very open for our kids. And Tallulah asks lots of questions now as an inquisitive three-year-old. And we just answer them the best we can yeah when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue nile.com you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you found the one you'll get it delivered right to your door go to blue nile.com and use promo code listen to get 50 dollars off your purchase of 500 dollars or more that's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care 
a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So going through that process with Duke where there was the times where it wasn't working mm -hmm. with the surrogate, I mean, something that Lottie wanted me to ask actually was that because her and her wife have been through IUI okay. to, to conceive their, their child and, and potentially future children. Um, and her point of view is as a woman, it can feel as though your body has actually let you down. But her question kind of to you too was like, how do you process that when it's somebody else's body? And was that ever an issue that came up with the surrogate? I was surrogate because she had such a textbook pregnancy with Tallulah. And then the first, uh, not not through Duke, but the, the, what, the failed attempt, she took that very hard because I think she blamed herself a lot. Had yeah. she I, ever had any failed attempts no. no. With her own no. So no. that was a new feeling for her. And she, and she felt responsible. And I remember getting the message from her apologising. And I'm like, don't apologise. Yeah. Yeah. This, isn't, this isn't you. And also, I think it's about, you know, reiterating that fertility is 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 no exact science it's you know you're you're at the hands of mother nature yeah unfortunately and uh, our surrogate like us expected it to happen first time yeah and when it didn't she it's a shock to it's it. a shock yeah. and you know she felt responsible mm. and we just had to help manage that and we i remember yeah we were very disappointed and upset but you know i think mentally you have to prepare yourself for failure mm. uh, and and if you're lucky it doesn't happen but often sometimes it does yeah. Yeah. which is nice in their shared journey as well right yeah it really and that's and that's what she wanted yeah. she wanted to do a sibling journey yeah and very quickly after Tallulah she was very kind of like you know give me a bit of time to recover but yes I definitely want to yeah. do this and she was very open with us right from the start that you know she wanted to help us create and she knew you know it's all part of that communication before you enter into this relationship is that she knew that you know we wanted more than one child so you know and she was more than happy and it's all about uh, her family supporting it as well because yeah. you know a surrogate doesn't go through this on her own she has to have the support of her family to achieve it and you know we're really grateful for her whole family because you know being a surrogate does put strains on you know their relationship with their partners and with their children it does alter the family dynamic throughout the pregnancy mm -hmm. and we have to be very mindful of that and we have to be very respectful of that as well but also acknowledge the the, the, the challenges that it brings to the rest of the family yeah and then on the other end of it so you had a hearing we did but talk to me about what the hearing is like what is that what is that process okay so Surrogacy in the UK is underpinned by something called the Surrogacy Arrangements Act of 1985. The very nature of when it was produced was, you know, at the height of the sec Section 28. So yep. not particularly very friendly mm -hmm. to our community. Yep. And it has evolved and there, there have been updates to it. But what that basically means is that in this country, 
a woman that gives birth to a child is classed as the legal parent, the legal mother. And if she's married, he is the legal father, regardless of biology. So our surrogate wasn't biologically related to our children, yet the law states she's the legal parent and her husband is the legal father. So you have to go through a parental order, but you can't make that application until the child's six weeks and one day old. Right. That gives the surrogate um, a, a reasonable time to object or not to give consent, of which she has a much longer period, but there's a six-week window before you can get your application into the court. And essentially what your application is, is it, it's about changing parental responsibility yeah. from the surrogate and her husband over to us. And that's what, uh, you know, six weeks and one day after uh, Duke was born, we had to then submit a parental order application. Uh, so all through this time, we don't have parental yeah, responsibility. Which again goes back to why it's so key that you have such a, a relationship Good, absolutely. with Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, the breakdown of surrogacy relationships in the UK is really, really rare. Um, I think in, in 30 years, there have been, I think there's less than 10 high court cases oh, where wow. it's where okay. it's yeah. gone horrifically wrong. Yeah. So I was going to say, what do you have to do? Like, is there a... And essentially, Kafkas are writing a report on behalf of the courts. Okay. Even though we are the biological father, we still wouldn't be able to give... Which is crazy. ...consent. Yeah. Which is just ridiculous. That's insane. And that's why the law is being reformed. Yes. So that's been in the news fairly recently. Yeah. So what's the reforms that they're making? So there is are, it good enough? Or? Um, I think there are still... There are still improvements that could be made. Generally, if you get your application in on six weeks and one day, by the time your child's around about five months old, you will be the legal parent of that and you'll apply for a new birth certificate and you'll get all of that paperwork done. But the law reform, um, you know, we've been quite involved in the in the reform and there are some improvements. So parental responsibility at birth is one of the improvements. You may have heard yesterday that one of the points being discussed was the lifting the ban on advertising for surrogates on social media yes. where at the moment that's illegal yeah the cost and whether expenses or the model should move to a commercial model has been debated and discussed um it, surrogacy in the uk is altruistic which means the surrogate is reimbursed reasonable expenses which can vary from yeah nothing to 15 to twenty thousand pounds per pregnancy um, the average is between twelve and fifteen thousand pounds. And what is deemed within those expenses then? What's the um, anything that they're going to need because they're pregnant and can't look after their own yeah. family? So that's why it varies significantly. Mm -hmm. The the parental responsibility is is the biggest, and that looks like that has been discussed and debated. So okay. there, there are there are some improvements, but there's there's still some things that could be improved. I think the challenge is it's never going to be everything to everyone. And there ha there's going to have to be some compromises yeah. Yeah. along the way because you are dealing with lots of different communities with lots of different needs and wants and trying to get a law that uh, meets all of those objection objectives is going to be quite complex. Okay, so what would you wish you had known before you'd started this journey? To start with, I think it, having a lot of the information uh, accessible in one place would be a massive advantage. Uh, we had to go to all different routes and it took us a long time to do that. And I think I think we would have started it sooner. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I think, um, you know, the time scale, I think the average time scale from deciding you want to go on a surrogacy journey to holding your child, that's a two-year period. Yeah, I think I underestimated the the emotion 
and what that can do to a relationship going through that treatment. That was, I wish someone would have said, you know, really take care of your marriage whilst you're on this journey because it's going to be really grueling. And you the can self-care ease... Self-care that you need Massive, to... oh yes, so... And, you know, resentment can easily slide in. You know, it's... Someone mentioned something quite recently and they're like, you know, put your marriage first because that's what needs to be really solid. And, you know, you'll always look after your kids, but put that first. But yeah, you're strong and you get through it. But, it, <laughs> but you know, it has, it did push our relationship to yeah. its limits at times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's fair to acknowledge that, but I think it's... You've come out strong. Yeah, yeah we have. And I love watching Wes parent our kids. I think there's nothing more attractive than seeing, seeing that in yeah. him. And I, you kind of, just you, know, you fall for them again because I'm seeing them in a different light with our kids and it's that special. But I, uh, let's not underestimate, you know, having children is one of the most amazing things in the world and the joy that they bring to you daily is, you know, it's worth all of the mm-hmm. the challenges yeah. and the rough night sleeps. Yeah. And, you know, when Tallulah wakes up in the morning and she tells me that she loves me and she beams, it's just... You can't beat that. No, you can't. No. It's, it's, you know, it's special. Oh, guys. Love it. Um, um, where can we find you? Where are you online? What's so next for you? So you can find us. Uh, so website is uk, uh, And on Facebook and Instagram, we are twodads.u.k. And we're on Twitter, which is twodaddiesuk. And we have a podcast coming out, which is Two Dads Talk. Amazing. More to the podcast community. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Well, thank you so much, guys. Thank and, you. And um, it was lovely to meet you. Likewise. You're very welcome. We love doing this kind of stuff. Lovely. Thank you. One of the things that I really was interested by was the dynamic between the married gay male couple and their female surrogate, and particularly the kind of manners and the very British like politeness and like you know, do you go, do you wait for the entree before you go straight into the like, will you have my baby thing? hundred percent. And there must be, you know, so many of those moments throughout the process. And there must be a point where you just have to become so entwined with that person and, and, and have that love. And the one thing I think speaking to a lot of people about all their different types of journeys is the trust that you have to put into other people that are not necessarily your life partners or your spouse, you know, whether it's a yeah. co-parenting journey that you're doing with a friend and having the trust with them or whether it's the trust you have in a surrogate. Yes, particularly in the legal ramifications of it and the fact that then they need to apply for the parenting order, you know, that that, that six weeks that they're waiting before they can become or apply to become the legal parents must be agonizing and things are changing with the laws and the one thing actually i learned through the interview that i didn't know was i didn't realize that even the 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 husband or partner of the surrogate also has parental responsibility that's mad isn't it and i wonder as well how much of a relationship or not you want to keep up with the surrogate after the children are born what would you do hmm. if you used a surrogate would you want the surrogate to be part of your kid's life or i think or so not? i think uh, actually a hundred percent because looking at it from how we've approached our parenting journey with through adoption obviously we have foster parents who whilst they've not given birth so for example the foster parent of our eldest son even though they didn't give birth to him obviously they cared for him since he was a few days old until he was about six months 
So they were there to look after and be part of his life. So therefore we would want them to, they are always going to be part of our lives and a part of our children's lives. They are part of the family. And I'd imagine from a surrogacy point of view, it's the similar feelings, but you know, that is part of their life story. That is part of your child's journey. And so it can't mm. just be erased. Also looking ahead to the future when that child is 18 and plus, they may want to know who the person was that gave birth to them. Again, it comes back to something we've talked about a lot on this show is how kind of emotionally intelligent and robust and thoughtful you kind of have to be as a as a parent doing a, a queer parenting journey. Mm. Um, you kind of have to really think and really be kind of just okay with everything and it's hard sometimes you know because sometimes Mm. you might just be like well I don't want my kid to 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 know their surrogate I don't want them to have a relationship with anyone other than us I just want to be the parent uh, with my husband or my wife and that's it So on the flip would would you if the question was put back to you Lottie would you would you want to know the surrogate and have the surrogate in your life Honestly, I'm not sure I would. Just based on like my experience of using a sperm donor and feeling like I'm really happy that we used mm. an anonymous donor and they don't have anything um, to do with our, our day-to-day lives and our upbringing. But there's a sort of vague sense that if our daughter wants to find out when she's older, she can. And I'm absolutely fine with that. But there's something just really nice about feeling it's just the three of us or it's just mm. we're the only people. Maybe that's selfish. Yeah. Or do you think that then you can't really compare them in the sense that a sperm donor, you could argue, is just cells and DNA, yeah. whereas somebody who's actually had you grow inside them yeah. and and gone through the birthing journey with you, that that's somebody you would want to potentially have a connection with if you could. Yeah, when you put it like that, I guess so. I think, I suppose it's changing your mindset and not thinking we've done, we've had to have a baby in this particular way, but we want to do everything we can to forget that we had to have a baby in this particular Mm. way and just pretend that we're a perfect family that just had a baby in a heteronormative way. If you just actually stop thinking that and just embrace the kind of weird and wonderful route that you took and actually I suppose the only thing you can do is be open and honest and communicate and and make mistakes I suppose it it was interesting I thought what Michael and Wes were saying about um, putting their marriage first I think that's true of all parenting isn't it of you and the other thing I think that's drilled into from adoption point of view is the child always has to come first so regardless of your feelings or how you feel about it, you've just got to continually look at it through their eyes and how they're going to feel in the future. Right. Yeah. And I think then in that case, that answers the question really, doesn't it? When you when you do that, when you put that filter on it and how the child's going to feel like that child's going to want to know the truth mm. and have been told it openly and honestly and it for it to not be a, a weird secret. So yes, I think I've I've gone on a bit of a, a you know journey just through this conversation and I yeah, I can now see it from that point of view definitely. Mm. So thank you so much for listening. Everybody, please stay strong. We are all here as one community. We're all here to support each other. Also to everybody that has emailed us or got in contact with us through Instagram um, or Twitter already and told us that you've enjoyed the podcast. It's been really, really great to hear. And thank you for sharing your stories with us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been amazing hearing from you all and we want to hear more. 
again if anybody has any questions uh, in the topic of surrogacy we will be speaking to more people about surrogacy but please send us your questions so you can follow us on instagram at some families pod or you can drop us an email old school an email at some families at storyhunter.co.uk so let us know and if you enjoyed the episode please do share it with people because we want to grow our community and we want to reach as many different families as we possibly can unfortunately we're not together to virtually cheers. anyway <laughs> cheers cheers to you <laughs> okay, take you care. hang up now oh no no you go oh, no. You hang up. no 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 you go first oh no you hang up no no you hang up you hang up okay i've got bye bye Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.